Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you have brought us to this appointed time, Lord, and we pray that your Word would go forth and encourage your people, O God, and build up your community, and in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. I want to start off this very special holiday sermon by asking a question I'm sure we're all thinking about this Rosh Hashanah, the matter that is in all of our minds. Which is better, the ram or the donkey? Well, it just so happens that I was able to overhear a discussion between these exact two animals as I was coming into shul today for Rosh Hashanah. And uh, the donkey and the ram were arguing over which one was greater. And I'm sure you're all wondering this. You came in wondering the the same thing, right? All right. Well, the donkey started off. It was a donkey that actually spoke human words to thwart that diviner Balaam and prevent him from cursing Israel. He saw the angel of the Lord and even tried to protect Balaam while he was beating that donkey. What a humble, miraculous donkey that was. You've never seen a ram speak to a human. And the ram replied, yes, but it was a ram, a male sheep, that was caught in the thicket and kept Isaac from being sacrificed. That ancestor of mine gave his life for Isaac, the promised child to Avraham in his old age, the patriarch of the Jewish people. This moment, the binding of Isaac, is looked to by the Jewish people in all of their siddurs daily. In the rabbinic writings, Pesikta Rabati says, Accordingly, when I judge them, let them be sure to lift up shofars and blow them before me, and I will bring to remembrance on their behalf the binding of Isaac, and I will acquit them at the judgment. My horn is connected to the forgiveness and mercy of God upon Israel, especially during Rosh Hashanah. The donkey retorted, okay, you know the rabbinic writings, but did you realize a donkey was there at the binding of Isaac as well? Or did you forget? My ancestor carried the burden during the binding of Isaac until Isaac himself carried the wood for the offering. So the ram, the ram changed tactics here. I heard that my ancestor gave his life for the sinews of the harp which King David played, thwarting the evil spirit that was pestering Saul and making beautiful songs of praise to Hashem, which are still recited to this day. The donkey replied, ah, that's just rabbinic legend. The scriptures themselves show the faithfulness 
and ubiquitousness of the donkey. It was donkeys that carried the burden to King David from Abigail to prevent him from taking revenge. Why, donkeys are always helping out. We carried Moses' wife and children when he went to Egypt to confront the Pharaoh. The ram countered, the ram's horn is the shofar, used to herald kings, used at Jericho to tumble the walls. It was the sound heard at Mount Sinai, the sound of the presence of God and the giving of the Torah, the sound of Rosh Hashanah itself, which is today. The donkey answered, ah, so you know the season and the calendar as well. But the rabbis know that the humble donkey will carry the Messiah himself, as was foretold by the prophet Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, a righteous one bringing salvation. He is lowly, riding on a donkey, on the colt, on the foal of a donkey. The king of kings did not ride on a horse, but a humble donkey, just like me. Hee-haw! The ram responded, Bah! Does not the great prophet Isaiah say that on that day, the day of the Lord, a great shofar blast will sound. He will gather his people to himself, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. The ram's horn ushers in the kingdom of the Messiah, the messianic age itself. At this, both animals were quiet for a moment, and they realized they were both instrumental in the key narratives of the scriptures. Forgiveness, redemption, the binding of Isaac, the coming of the Messianic king, all the major themes of Rosh Hashanah. And they both also realized they were foolish to boast this way. For the time of Rosh Hashanah is not a time to boast, but rather a time for humility and repentance. And so the ram and the donkey became friends. Isn't that wonderful? So now that we have resolved this burning question, I can hear the next logical question in your minds. What about the egg? How important is the egg? Rabbi Chaim of Zanz told a parable of the egg for Rosh Hashanah. There was a poor woman who had many children. She found an egg. She said to herself, we have nothing to worry about anymore. I found an egg. But being a woman of foresight, I won't eat this egg, but I will ask my neighbor if I can put it under her sitting hen until a chick is hatched. For I am a woman of foresight. Then I won't eat the chick, but set her on the eggs, and the eggs will hatch into chickens. And the chickens, in their turn, will hatch many eggs, and then we'll have chickens, and we'll have many eggs. But I'm a woman of foresight, I am. I won't eat the chickens nor the eggs, but I'll sell them and buy myself a nice, fat heifer. Yeah, but I won't eat the heifer. I'll raise it to a cow, and I won't eat the cow until it gives calves. But then I won't eat it either, because then I'll have cows and calves. For I am a woman of what? Foresight. 
I'll sell the cows and calves and buy a field, and then we'll have fields and cows and calves, and we won't need anything anymore. And as she was talking this way, she got excited, and she was tossing and playing with the egg excitedly, and it fell and broke. Rabbi Chaim said of this story, when the holy days arrive, every person resolves to do teshuvah, repentance, thinking in their heart, I'll do this and I'll do that. But the days slip by in mere deliberation, and thought doesn't lead to action. And the person who made the resolution may fall even lower. So better to be prudent and humble about the repentance of Rosh Hashanah. In other words, this, re- this parable shows that real repentance is not easy. It requires humility and agency, intention and reliance on God to make real change. It's not so easy to change our behavior, but with God, all things are possible. So now that we have resolved that question, let us turn to a riddle. When is a shofar not a shofar? I'm sure you are all wondering this. On a TV show that I used to watch, the boss of the whole place, he injured his nose so that it made a squeaking sound wherever he went. The employees used this to their advantage. They'd slack off, chatting and doing crosswords and playing that solitaire paddle game that goes boing, boing, boing with the stretchy spring. You know that one? They would play that. But when they heard the sound, someone would call out, Squeakies are coming! And they'd all hustle to appear as though they had been working the whole time. This was a great solution until the boss's nose was fixed, and he came upon them and said, Aha! I caught you slackers! But the squeaky sound is not the sound of Rosh Hashanah, but rather the sound of the shofar, the trumpet made of the ram's horn. And the sound of the shofar is not just the return of a boss that will make sure we're not goofing off, but the return of the king of kings. But what is this sound exactly? The biblical name for this festival today is called, does anyone know? Yom Teruah, yes, right? And so that is the day, literally the day of the shout or the great noise. Perhaps this is the answer to our riddle. In this sense, the shofar is not exactly a shofar, but in rabbinic interpretation, the shout or the noise of Yom Teruah has been interpreted by the ram's horn, right? This is the noise of Yom Teruah and the redemption and return of the King Messiah made by the shofar. And indeed, in our readings, we see the ram's horn and the ram showing up, like in the binding of Isaac, for example. So the answer to the riddle is, a shofar is not just a shofar when it's also a shout or noise of the king's return. But perhaps there's another answer to the riddle. We shouldn't be so fast to to answer our riddles, right? In the book of Exodus, chapter 19, the children of Israel have been out of Egypt for two months, and they arrive at the wilderness of Sinai and camp right in front of the mountain. Adonai calls from the mountain, reminding Israel 
of this in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you listen closely to my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all people. For all the earth is mine. So as for you, you will be to me a kingdom of kohanim. What are the kohanim? Priests and a holy nation. The king is coming down to give us the Torah, to give us the law. But this is not a dictator boss with a bunch of rules. This is a compassionate and rescuing king. He's giving instructions so as to make Israel a unique and rescued people. To make them a kingdom of priests means an entire peoplehood that are committed to holiness and justice. A peoplehood who humbly serve and intercede and pray for others. Isn't that what priests do? This could also be translated a royal priesthood, meaning a combination of king and intercessor priest. That's what Israel was supposed to be. A people who rule over their domain with justice and also stand in the gap for others in prayer and intercession. He's instructing Israel how to prepare themselves to meet with him because he's coming down from the mountain and they are going up. This is the king who comes down from the clouds. and He's telling them how to get ready. And then Adonai explains that he's going to visit in the cloud of his presence and the people have to sanctify themselves for which day? The third day. The day of Adonai descending in his holiness. And then we have the imagery often associated with the presence of God in Exodus 19, starting in verse 16. In the morning of the third day, there was thundering and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain. Can we picture this? And the blast of an exceedingly loud what? Shofar. All the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the lowest part of the mountain. Now the entire Mount Sinai was in smoke, because Adonai had descended upon it in fire. The smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked greatly. When the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with a thunderous sound. See all the images there, right? The sound, the shofar, the cloud, the Lord descending. So when is a shofar not a shofar? Well, let me answer that question with another question. Is there too many questions and riddles here, or are we good? <laughs> you following? Who is blowing the shofar here? It's not Moses. It's not Israel. Who's blowing it? It's the Lord, Adonai, who creates the sound of the heavenly shofar, the horn of the ram. The Lord himself is making the sound. What does it do? It wakes us up. In this case, it wakes us up to his Torah. It's a shofar awakening blast without the physical ram's horn. So perhaps this is the answer to the riddle. When is a shofar not a shofar? When it's a heavenly shofar. The Lord himself makes the sound that wakes us up on Rosh Hashanah, wakes us from our sleep. This has got to be the most effective alarm clock that there is. 
To be prepared to meet with the king, we must be awake and humble, ready to repent and pursue justice and holiness. Or maybe there's another answer to the riddle. What is the Hebrew word for trumpet that we see here? Oh, well, that's the shout. Teruah is the shout. But what's the word for trumpet? Shofar. Is this always the word for trumpet? Or is there perhaps another word for trumpet? Let's take a closer look at the Hebrew when God shows up and descends from the mountain in Exodus 19. This is another part of the story uh, that we're, we're reading and we're examining. The end of verse 13 reads like this. Bimshoch hayovel hema yaalu bahar. The trumpet will sound and they shall go up to the mountain. But notice, there's no word shofar here. What is the word for trumpet or ram's horn in this sentence? Can anyone find it? It's the second word, ha yovel. Can you say that? Yovel. What is the yovel? The only other way that this word is translated is the word for jubilee. So the final answer to the riddle is this. When is a shofar not a shofar? When it's the yovel, the year of jubilee. The ram's horn and the jubilee are the same word in Hebrew. What is going on here? Scripture is drawing a connection between the ram's horn and the yovel. The yovel or the jubilee, what is that? It's the releasing of debts, the resetting of the land, the freedom of those who are enslaved. And it takes place on Yom Kippur, just 10 days after Rosh Hashanah. This takes place after seven times seven years. So every 50 years... There is a cleansing of the land after 7 times 7 is 49, and then the next year is the Yovel. It's a setting free of those enslaved and a rebirth of the land. This is the Rosh Hashanah, or New Year, of the land, the Yovel, or Jubilee. There is a link between the cleansing of the land for justice on Yom Kippur and the ram's horn on Rosh Hashanah. This, these fall festivals are all connected in the Hebrew. The riddle goes even deeper, if you can imagine. Let me ask you a question you probably know. When is Rosh Hashanah? Today? And what's today? Monday. Okay, that's good. That's a good, good answer. <laughs> the first of... Tishrei. Everyone knows that Rosh Hashanah is the first of Tishrei. But as I said, there are hints in the prophets which connect the Yovel, the Jubilee, Rosh Hashanah, the Ram's Horn, and Yom Kippur. So what if I told you that Rosh Hashanah is also on another date? Would you believe me? What date do you think is the other Rosh Hashanah? Ezekiel 40, verse 1, gives us this puzzling scripture. In the 25th year of our exile, in the beginning of the year, in the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was struck down, 
On that very day, the hand of Adonai was on me, and he brought me there. Let's leave this up for a second. It's easy to pass over this. Whoa, that's big. That's nice. All right? But the rabbis noticed something odd going on here. The beginning of the year is what day? The 10th day of the month. How could the beginning of the year be on the 10th day? Well, the answer is in the Hebrew. What do you think are the Hebrew words for beginning of the year there? Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. When is the beginning of the year? On the 10th day of the month. How is that possible? Rosh Hashanah is connected to the 10th day. And what happens on the 10th of this month? Yom Kippur. And the Yovel, the Jubilee, that happens on Yom Kippur, the freeing of the enslaved, the releasing of debts happens on the 10th. This marks a season. This is a season of renewal and restoration, the forgiveness of sin, like a new year, like a rebirth. All throughout Ezekiel, there are descriptions of a heavenly temple and the number 50 and multiples of 50. In other words, uh, the, uh, the angel of the Lord shows Ezekiel all these measurements, and they're all multiples of 50, corresponding to what? The year of Jubilee, the Yovel. Ezekiel presents a restored earth filled with the water of life flowing from the heavenly temple, a resetting of creation and the holy land. And so what does Ezekiel call the people to do to prepare for this Yovel, for the ram's horn resetting? Israel is called to pursue justice, to humble themselves, to worship God alone. They should keep the Torah of God. They should keep the Shabbat. What is the Shabbat? It's like a mini jubilee, right? It's like a little Yovel. It resets resets us, right? And we rest and we restore, or we're restored back to God. Israel should get rid of their pride and their arrogance. After all, they are a royal priesthood. Of course, the fullness to all the answers, to all of these riddles and all of these questions is found in Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua the Messiah Remember our first, our first story, our first question? He rode into Jerusalem on a humble donkey just before he gave his life. And Yeshua will come again at the sound of the ram's horn. As it is written in our new covenant Parsha, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. This is the, the reading for Rosh Hashanah tomorrow. Now, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so with him God will also bring those who have fallen asleep in Yeshua. For this we tell you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a commanding shout. What does this remind us of? Reminds us of 
Sinai, right? And the voice of the archangel, and with those, and with the blast of God's what? Shofar, the dead and Messiah shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left behind, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Notice that there is not only the sound of the shofar, but can we pull that up really briefly, Robert? But what else is there? It's the sound of the commanding shout of the Lord. The translation for Yom Teruah. This is the day of the shout, the day of the noise. The other name for Rosh Hashanah. And this is another Sinai. Just like the mighty sound of the giving of the Torah, this is the sound that the Lord makes himself as he descends from the clouds to meet with his people. Thanks, Robert. This is the alarm clock from on high, which awakens those who are asleep. What is being asleep? This is a biblical metaphor for being raised from death. Yeshua brings about the Yovel, the year of Jubilee. He sets free those who are held captive by sin and gives us renewal. He gives us a new year of resetting. He gives us resurrection life through his death and resurrection. Yeshua is the only and unique son of God who is like Isaac, the only and unique son of Avraham. Religious Jews look to this righteous act, the binding of Isaac, strange and unique as it is in the Bible, as meriting our righteousness. This is recalled. The binding of Isaac is recalled over and over. Kal how much more are we made righteous by the merit of Yeshua's sacrifice? Yeshua the Messiah is also the ram who took the place of Isaac as he died also in our place instead of our death that we might live for God. Yeshua the Messiah is the restored heavenly temple. He is the shout of the shofar. He is the center of Rosh Hashanah and indeed the center of the entire scriptures, both Hebrew and Greek. We have the opportunity to be awakened by the ram's horn through humility and justice to prepare for the return of the king. We have the opportunity to make resolutions with intention and reverence. Messiah Yeshua is not only our king, but he is our example. He is the center of Rosh Hashanah, who empowers us to be like him, to follow Torah as he did, to be a king and a priest like him, to reflect his kindness, to intercede for others, to bring justice and love and healing, to be awakened to life through his resurrection, and to prepare for his return at the sound of the shofar. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Lord, this is a season where 
we humble ourselves and we recognize your holiness and your kingship. And we ask that you help us to prepare for your return by following the Torah and by practicing love and justice and heeding the words of the prophets like Ezekiel and Moses and by turning back to you, by doing teshuvah. And let us do this with intention and let us do this with a joyful heart because it is your kindness that brings us to repentance and you are a good and merciful king. And uh, we thank you for the hope that we have of resurrection life, that on that last shofar blast, that you will bring us to you and you will gather your people to yourself and you will be king over the whole earth and you will wipe every tear from our eyes and you will bring total and complete restoration. But until that time, Lord, help us to be inaugurating your kingdom as we await you, the return of our king. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.